So, <laughs> I hope everybody's awake. Uh, I was, uh, I was just thinking as we were singing here, and uh, people in the sound booth. You know, I think they were having too much fun out there. So we need to be careful who we put in the sound booth. <laughs> uh, I guess we, we really need to, uh, to appreciate what Josh does back there. You know, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, always, uh, yeah, it's always exciting to be in the presence of the Lord and uh, worshiping and uh, trying to draw closer to, to him. Uh, I want us to think, and uh, I think it was two weeks ago, we kind of started on this, uh, on this John chapter 1, verses 1 through, uh, through, through, uh, through 18. Uh, we kind of started looking at that, but uh, we never finished. We never finished looking at it. Uh, so we are going to kind of try to model our way through that and see if we can learn anything from that, from that passage. Uh, as we look at that, you know, this is John the, the, John the Apostle writing the, I guess they shut me off, writing this gospel, you know, to, to all of us. Uh, it's amazing when you let the, the Holy Spirit guide you, what you can, uh, what you can learn and uh, what you can write. Uh, Mr. Kilpatrick, in, uh, you know, he was talking about the wars in, uh, in Matthew chapter 23, the seven wars of Jesus. You know, he's, uh, Jesus is talking here. You know, one of the interesting one he talked about was uh, the whitewashed tombs. Yeah, I'm going, well, man, is he trying to uh, accelerate, accelerate our time to the grave? You know, uh, he's talking about that. But anyway, uh, when we look at that, when we look at the subject today, we are looking at, uh, you know, uh, in, uh, in, in that passage, Jesus says that, uh, John says that Jesus came to us you know, and uh, he was full of grace and truth in verse 14. It's the emphasis of that. So that's really, that's our main, our main subject is uh, full of grace and truth. You know, we need, as Christians, as churches, we need to really examine that uh, very, very carefully. We need to try and... Uh, create a balance of the two because they, they are co, they coexist. Both of them have, uh, have to exist equally, you know, in a, in a body of a believer, in a church, grace and truth have to exist equally. But there are times that we, uh, 
we have taken one over the other. You know, we are either more full of grace or more full of truth. You know, which both, if we take one, if we take one over the other, they, became, they become detrimental to, to other people, to those, to the non-believer. They become a stumbling block. You know, the question you and I need to ask ourselves today is, why were people so drawn? Why were sinners so drawn to Christ? You know, I think at one point he had about 5,000 men, no counting children or women. 5,000. Can you imagine? You know, he's speaking to 5,000 people. At least 5,000. Why were they so drawn to him? What was so unique about him? Let me, let me kind of read an excerpt here in this little book. Uh, it, it, it is very interesting, you know. Uh, and this, this, book is, uh, this, this book is by Randy Alcon. It's uh, the, the Grace and Truth Paradox. It's a very interesting book. Uh, and it says, people, you know, but when he, when he ascended back into the wide blue heaven, he left, he left God's uh, Shekinah glory, that visible manifestation of God's presence on earth. Jesus became that visible manifestation of God on earth. He, become, he became the God you know, he was representing the Father. He became the reflection, the reflection of the Father God. Yeah. And uh, continuing, we Christians became his living temples, the new uh, holy of holies. First Corinthians, if you, if you look at First Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, and First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, you'll find that. And continuing with that, with that people, people had only to look at Jesus to see what God is like. People today should only have to look at us to see what Jesus is like. You know? So, you know, having said that, let us, uh, let us go to the Father and pray. Our Father God in heaven, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we can uh, come together, encourage one another. You tell us iron sharpens iron. And I just pray, Father, that this morning you use me as a vessel. May this message, Father, be your message. May the words I speak, Father, be your words. We thank you, Father, and I just pray that we'll empty ourselves of our selfish desires and let you fill us today and open our minds that we can hear and absorb the message you have given to us, Father. We thank you, Father, and we just praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, I need a volunteer. I need someone who can read fluidly and... Uh, Speedily. I'm not that person, I can tell you that. You know, so I need a volunteer who can read for us. Anyone? Doc, 
Would you please read uh, uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 for us? 1 through 16? 18. 18. Yes, sir. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me. Okay, you know, that's verses 14 through 18. Then if we kind of take a step back, let's take back a step back, you know, to fully understand this, what is going on here. Let's go to, you know, if we go to the uh, first verse in John, uh, I, need, I, need, I, need, I need you to, uh, to mark that first John I beg your pardon, not First John. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Isn't that kind of confusing? It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was was with God, and the Word was God, and in the beginning, he, the Word was with God. You know, and then if we go back to Genesis, it says in the beginning, again, we find that beginning, you know, we find that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning. So, according to John, it says in verse 2, it says, He was in the beginning with who? With God. In the beginning, God did what? In Genesis, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, so, we, we see that this, this, this was something. And then we, we, we fast forward to the New Testament. We find, we, we find the same wording, but John adds adds more to that, you know, adds more to that. He tells us, he reminds us that the word became what? Flesh. The word, the word that was in the beginning with God creating the world, left his Shekinah or the holiness of God. He left the presence of the Father. He left his holiness to become what? To become human. Why did he have to become human? That's the question you and I ought to answer. Why? Well, because he loved us, okay? Why did he come? Forgiveness of our sins. Okay? You know, Kyle says, loved us, forgiveness of sin. From the beginning, from the beginning, this, this wasn't a surprise to God, was it? And Mr. Kirkpatrick in Sunday school, he was talking about what? The four, I think you read, you read from Genesis chapter 3? Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. Would, would you read that again? 
the last time I checked, it was the first book of the Bible. <laughs> yes, it is in the beginning. Okay, so from the beginning, from the beginning, God knew that man was going to do what? Fall. He knew that man was going to choose self over obedience. Isn't that what happened? Self over obedience. Here's something so appetizing, here's a message so appetizing that, hey, if you, eat of the, if you eat this fruit, your eyes will be what? Opened. Uh, hey, who wouldn't want to see? You know, I, I, see, I see most of you are wearing glasses. Why are you wearing glasses? Isn't it because you want to see? See, everyone wants to see. So how amazing was that, that the enemy would use that message to say, if you eat of the fruit, your eyes will surely be open. See, the fall of man started there. Now, you know, let's, uh, let's continue with this. Uh, the best way for us to understand this, to understand full of grace and truth, is first we must understand what each one of those men. What is grace? What is grace? There's a song that you guys popularly, it's a popular song. You sing it. You know, everyone sings this song. They sing it, it, it pretty much at every event. It's a song. Even, even the secular world have, uh, have sung this song. What is that song? Amazing grace. Amazing grace. What is amazing grace? What is, Mr. Kilpatrick says, God's what? God's grace. What is God's grace? Forgiveness. Ah, there's the best, the best term, unmerited favor. Unearned favor. Something that you are given that you did not do what? You didn't deserve. How many of us deserve to live today? None of us. You know, according to the law, we have violated God's what? God's commandment, haven't we? According to the law of Moses, when someone violated a commandment, let's look at the Sabbath, for example. If someone was found doing work on the Sabbath, what happened to them? The whole congregation gathered some Stones and took them, marched them outside the what? The camp and stoned them to death. And some people will say that in the Old Testament there was no grace. Is that true? Did God show grace when He gave them that message that if you work on a Sabbath, this is what will happen to you? Isn't that grace? When you are appointed, when you, you see, that's where the delicateness, the balance of grace and truth comes. In that, in that truth that God pointed out, also there was grace. See, that's what we find here. You know, uh, 
In, Christ, in, in my Christian journey, I have seen uh, many Christians who, who, ha, who appear to be full of truth, you know, and those who appear to be full of grace. You know, and, and every now and every now in a, in, a, in a while, I come up with uh, upon those Christians who are full of grace and truth. Let me tell, let me tell you a story about grace. Two stories about grace and gra- grace and truth. You know, I was uh, uh, earlier. I thought my wife wasn't going to be here at church, so I was kind of excited, but she showed up. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, Mr. Kilpatrick, thanks a lot. <laughs> so, regardless, I'm going to tell this story anyway, so that, you know, just pray for me that after church I'm, I'm still alive. But, but anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, that's, again, violating God's commandment. So, uh, let, me, let me start with this. Last night, you know, uh, I had words with Bajo, you know, and... Uh, in those words, you know, we, uh, we lost our cool. I lost my cool. I lost it. I completely lost it. I was so mad at him. I was so angry at him. You know, I, couldn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear. I, I, I spelled out truth to him. I stated the facts that were true. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, in that, in stating the truth, you know what I forgot? Grace. I completely forgot grace. And how amazing is that that I'm teaching on grace? You know? All I had to do was present the truth to him in a graceful manner. But I didn't. You know, I was so sad. This is what it should be. This is what it is. Yeah. The second story, part, you have heard part of this story. Now, let's get to the conclusion of the second story. Yeah. You know, my wife, a while back, I think it's been, uh, it's been a year and a half ago, uh, if you remember, she decided to buy a fan because she got tired of looking at the dirty fan uh, that was there. So she bought this fan, and it's been sitting in our basement for a year and a half, and so she's been asking me to put it up. Uh, however, I s- kept thinking, you know, if I open that box, that's no longer going to be a, a brand new fan. You know, it has, for it to continue being a brand new fan, it has to remain where? In the box. And not only that, if it stays in the box, that means it's not gathering what inside on the fence. Yeah. It's not gathering dust. So I was cool with that. I was cool with that. So finally, you know, she's been very gracious for over a year and a half. She's been showing grace. She has not kicked me out because I've not done that. But anyway, so finally, yesterday she says something about, you know, I have a list of chores that need to be done at home. And I knew exactly where she was going with this. Because you know what? I had picked at that list at one point last week. And you know what was on there? Fan. And I'm going, I'm getting sick and tired of this fan. You know? 
So yesterday, you know, I decided today is the day. So I take the old one out and, you know, I pull it out and I'm looking at the instructions. You know, this is, this is cool. She says, you know, we have to be at my mom. We have to leave here no later than 3.30, I think, or either 3 o'clock or 3.30. So my goal was to get done before, before 1 o'clock. So I started working on it and uh, got the other one down and uh, started connecting the wires. So I call her, I say, hey, honey, I need your help. And she was working. She says, what do you need? And uh, she says, uh, I say, well, uh, would you flip the light switch off for me so I can unhook the, the wire? So she says, no, you have to go turn the brake off. I say, if the light switch is off, that means the electricity is not coming here. That means it's cut off. She's, she insisted. So I go downstairs to go to find to the breaker board. So I can't find the breaker, which, which, which turns. So she comes down, she turns it off. So I work, I hook it up, you know, get to the conclusion. Kyle comes at that time, he finishes, he helps me finish it up. We are so excited. We flip the light on, we flip the light switch on, turn the fan on, it's working. Put the light switch on, nothing. You know, so in, in grace, in her showing grace, to me, here I'm starting again to get what? Frustrated, but short, long story short, I had to undo it again because I hold two wires wrong. You know, I looked at the picture of the old fan, how I had it hooked, so I hooked it the same way, but this one evidently, <laughs> it had a different wire going somewhere. But you know, my point to that, she has been very, forgiving to me for over a year and a half while that fan sat there. You know, Grace, I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that. You know, so to find, to know what grace is, let's go, if we look at Romans, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. Someone read it very quickly. You know, we find, we find the picture of what? If you really want to see what, to know what grace is, you have to look at the face of Christ. You have to look at what he has done. You know, because that, ladies and gentlemen, Christ is our example. He sa it says that Christ came full of grace and truth. So who, who has Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8? Go ahead, Cheryl. While, while we were still what? Sinners. Did we deserve that life we were given? You know, we, you and I, and the whole world were given a lifeline when Jesus did what? Died on that cross. And again, we go back to the, to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 3, where God gave man a what? 
a choice. You know, and then we, f- we continue in the Old Testament. Uh, what is his name? What is his name? No. Moses. Uh, no, the one who took over Moses. Who was his name? What was his name? Joshua. Joshua. What is his declaration? He gives Israel what? God gives man a choice to make, choose life. You know, if, if you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. So they, he gave them a choice right there and then. You know, and then Joshua says to Israel, today is the day you either choose to follow who? God or, to, or your own gods. And then here we are, we come here, we have a choice. We are given a lifeline of grace by Jesus' death on the cross. He says, hey, I'm going to cast this. You have a choice either to, to, to do what? To accept it or reject it. Can we reject grace? Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with the word, isn't it? We reject the grace of God. You know, so we see that, you know, that's in that the death of Christ is in unmerited favor. He died for us even while we were still sinners. He died for us. In John chapter 3, verse 6, it says that, For God so loved the what? Jesus came not because of love, not because of commitment. He came because of what? Because that was what was expected of him by whom? By his father. Was to extend that lifeline of grace to us. See, he came because that's what the father said. The father loved his what? His creation. If the father loved his creation, according to John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was... So Jesus was God, in other words, he declares. You know, so that's, that's what we find. Today, you know, as, we look at, uh, as we look at this, you know, we need to continue thinking. How do I extend grace? without being too, too full of grace. You know, when Jesus came, he was totally committed to both grace and what? Grace and truth. You know, grace is an essential part of God's character. Do we agree with that? It's an essential part of God's character. Grace is closely related to God's benevolence, love, and mercy. Grace can be various, variously defined. God's favor towards an, an unworthy person. Yeah. So, you know, if we go to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, let's look at John chapter 8, verses 2 through 9. Again, we find another picture of what? Another true picture of grace. That's, why, well, that's what we find here. We know this story, don't we? John chapter 8, verses, uh, uh, verses 2 through 9. I know it used to be in my Bible. I saw it. 
when I was working on this. I promise I saw it. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 2. Again, I need a volunteer. I need someone who can read faster than I can. Anyone? Go ahead. Eight. Okay, that's the story. So the situation, what is the situation? You know, the situation is this woman, you know, and this is, by the way, this, is, this was done, this, was, this, this whole scene took place right after the Feast of what? Tabernacle. The Feast of Tabernacle is also known as this Feast of Seven Days because it lasted for seven days. So this was on the last day of the Feast. So, what, what was the situation? Why did they bring, truly, why did they bring this woman to Jesus? What was their whole point of bringing this woman to Jesus? Okay, they caught her in adultery. Probably they wanted her punished. Any other, any other ideas? They wanted to see what Jesus' Jesus' response was, and and uh, he says they wanted to test Jesus. See, it says that it says that it declares that they were they did this to test Jesus. Did they want justice for this woman? Not really. If you follow with me. They truly didn't want justice for this woman. They were using her as a what? As a bait or as a trap to see what Jesus' response would be. That's, ladies and gentlemen. But then Jesus does what? He answers them. He answers them. He writes something on the ground. And beginning from the oldest to the to the youngest, the older ones, you know, they started leaving before they, the older one left before they, yeah, evidently they became, they, they, they decided to exercise their wisdom, their elder wisdom by being wise, not to hang around after they realized that Jesus just demolished their what? Their trap. But see, Again, we find what? Jesus, what is Jesus looking for here? Jesus himself goes for what? For truth. For truth. And not only does he end there, he says that, he says that in verses 2, verses 2 through 4, that's why we find the situation. And then we go to, 
we go, we go, we go further, we, we find the snare, you know, the, the trap, you know, where they are trying to trap Jesus. And then in verse 7 and 9, we find the shocker. He shocks them. He shocks them by his what? By his response. Because what were they expecting Jesus to do? Based on the law of Moses, what, what, what answer were they expecting from Jesus? Condemnation. They, that woman was already condemned. And again, ladies and gentlemen, if we go back to Leviticus, if we go back to Jeremiah, we find, we find this whole situation. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, he says, the law specifically says that he, if they are caught in adultery, meaning man and they are to be what? Now, think about this. We only have one party here. You know? They didn't bring the man. They didn't bring the man. <laughs> Is that fair? Wasn't the man caught in adultery too? Or was this just a woman? Because the last time I, the last time I checked, it takes two to tangle. That was the last time I checked. And Jesus tells them that, okay, here's the message for you. He who has no sin, let him do what? Cast the first stone. Since you're saying that this woman has violated God's commandment, have you, as accusers, have you, have you violated any of God's commandment? It's thrown back to you. Have you? They say, oops. Wrong move, gentlemen. Let's get out of here. Leave the young people to be embarrassed. They left. Jesus looks up. Hey, where are the people that are accusing you? They left. Did anyone harm you? No. Jesus concludes by saying, Therefore, go sin no more. See, the, the truth was presented in that case, wasn't it? Jesus presents the truth to, the, to them. He says, okay, we all have sins. But see, I forgive sins if you come to me. There's love in all this. Go sin no more. Yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, that's, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Uh, so, if you want to, you know, if you want to truly see grace again, what grace really looks like, look at the cross. What do you find at the cross? You find Jesus there hanging, dying, and bleeding for you and I. You know, that's grace. That's so that, so that we can return to that union that we had with God in the beginning. In the beginning, you and I were, were created to have what? To have everlasting life, to live forever. Do we agree with that? When God created man, if God created man in his own image, he created man so that he can live eternally. That was God's intent. 
You know, but because of our own selfishness, and don't be so quick to judge Adam, by the way. Don't be so quick to judge him. How many of us sometimes sit there and listen to this story and uh, don't say anything? How many of us have sat in a gossip, in, in, a, in a room which is filled with people gossiping about someone and never say anything? You know? Here we are. We broke the law in the beginning of obedience to God. Because of our own selfishness. You know, we wanted to be smarter than God. And what got the devil kicked out of heaven? Isn't it because of selfishness? He was so stinking selfish that he thought he could rise above whom? Above Elohim. He thought he would be better than God. See, the choices that we make. God extended grace to us. When he sent his son to be born in Bethlehem, we, we see, you know, God coming into the flesh, into flesh giving up his own life so that you and I can have life. That is the picture of grace. you find it fully displayed at the cross. Uh, how do we, you know, John Newton, how many of you remember John Newton? He wrote a song. What song did he write? Amazing Grace. What was his profession? Slave trader. Slave trader. You know? But yet, we find John Newton writing Amazing Grace. Indeed, it was Amazing Grace for him to turn from that. He became the, one of the greatest critical about slave trade. Because of what God did for him. See, that is what grace is. God pointed out truth and showed grace to him. You know, how do we treat those that are different from us? The evidence that we truly understand God's grace will be seen in our desire and ability to do what? To show God's grace to those who are different from us. That's where we are. Uh, then we talk, we talk about truth. We talk about truth. What is truth? What is truth? Kyle says God. Truth in the book of John, again, he, declare, he declares, he says, that he, what does he say? I am the way, the truth. So, guess what? The next, someone, the next time someone who is not a believer says that, I'm telling you the truth, your response should be, oh, so you know who Jesus is. You know? Because, see, that is the truth. He is the truth. 
Without him, there's no truth. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a few years back, I don't know if you remember, there used to be a, a bracelet that you used to wear. It says WWJD. What would Jesus do? That, ladies and gentlemen, should be a frequent question we ask ourselves. What would Jesus do? Uh, we must, again, you know, we look at, uh, if we look at John chapter 14, verse 6, someone go to John chapter 14, verse 6, and we find that sta the statement that we just earlier looked at. And someone go to John chapter 17, verse 17. Okay? And, and who's got John chapter 14, verse 6? Okay, who's got John chapter 17, verse 17? Okay, who's got uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 15? Romans chapter 2, verse 15. I need, I need a volunteer. Doc. Okay, so we are looking at the truth. Jesus is not a truth, okay? Jesus is not a truth. He declares, he says, I am the way, the the truth. You know, when you're talking about a fact, you say that the facts of life are these. You know, uh, John 14, verse 6. Go ahead. See, no one comes to the Father except through me. That is what sets a Christian church apart. It's the belief that Jesus is the only way to whom? The other, the other ways are a force. They are a false doctrine. Jesus is the way and he is the truth. Can we present that message, you and I, can we present that message with grace to the world? See, that's what we need to learn. Why did Jesus have thousands and thousands and thousands of people follow him? When they looked at Jesus, people saw how, who God was. And he declares, let on, he says that if you have seen me, that means you have seen whom? The Father. See, the truth must be presented no matter what. You cannot, ladies and gentlemen, again, I want to tell you, you cannot undercut truth in the name of grace. You cannot do that. Jesus never did. So if you and I claim to be followers of Christ, how then do we undercut one over the other? We shouldn't. We shouldn't. Truth, okay, listen to this. Truth without grace breeds self-righteousness, legalism. That poisonous the church and pushes the world away from grace, from Christ. And grace, again, grace without truth breeds moral indifference and keeps people from seeing their need for Christ. So when you take one over the other, they have flaws. They can't function. Can they? 
They cannot be effective because one way or the other you are going to push people away without the grace and truth balance. You are. I've seen some people that just, truth is it. Is that what Jesus did? Did he present grace to you? You know, uh, John chapter 17, verse 17, Jim. Sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. See, we need that. We need truth. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. I love that verse. Romans 2.15. Okay, truth, again, we find there in Romans chapter, chapter 2, verse 15, we find truth that it's written on all our hearts. On all our hearts. We know. You and I, uh, you and I you know, when we, do, when, when, when we do something wrong, do we feel guilty? Does the world feel guilty? Do, do they know when they do something wrong? Of course they do. That's truth. Because truth is there in their hearts. They know what the truth is. They know what the truth is. You know, so we, f- we find all the, on the contrary, Satan is the father of lies. And we find this in uh, uh, John chapter 8, verse 44. Using the fallen nature of humanity, he seeks, to con- he seeks to convince the world that truth is moldable. You can mold truth the way you want it to be. In other words, these days we say that truth is what? Truth is subjective. We say that there's no absolute what? Truth. That's what the world is saying. That's what the world says. Let me tell you something. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because there's absolute truth, and we find that absolute truth in Jesus Christ. And without that, without that standard, see, God is the standard, not humanity. Because my standards will change from day to day. Yeah. Uh, so that is, uh, that is truth, ladies and gentlemen. You know, uh, leads us to that. So let's bring them together. Let's tie them together. What is truth? What is truth? Grace, what is grace and truth? Grace and truth is what we find in Jesus. When we can sit down with those people that are non-believer, when we can sit down with word and have a conversation just like Jesus did with the 5,000 people, he sat down and talked with them. Can we sit down and manage a conversation with one another? Can we teach the message of truth in grace? See, that is, that's, that's what we should do, ladies and gentlemen, is presenting the message of truth in, in grace. When, see, grace, grace and truth, grace and truth are like wings. Now, let me ask you a question. Most of us, most of us should know this answer. How many wings does a bird have? 
Two. You know, <laughs> that, that's an anomaly. <laughs> so, truthfully, when we look at it, every bird we see has got how many wings? Two wings. Okay? There's a point to this. There's a point in my madness. Now, in order for that, in order for a bird to fly, it has to use both wings. Correct? In order for our righteousness, in order for faith to grow, in order for people to come to Christ, guess what it needs? Two wings. Two wings. Grace and truth. Grace. When, when you emphasize truth, ladies and gentlemen, when all your message is about truth, you take the wind out of the cell for grace. You deflect grace. That means you are uh, dark. If, uh, if one of the wings on the plane is not working right, what happens? See, we, and, uh, and I've heard someone say that, you know, people are so afraid of churches. Why are they afraid of churches? Shouldn't a church be an environment where people feel loved? Because Jesus says that, for I did not come for the health, I came for, for the sick. You know, we were talking about death. He said, if you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And I think someone there said that that was spiritual death. I think that was dark or someone in Sunday school. See, people should come to here to church because this is the hospital for what? Spiritually sick. We are here because we are all sick, ladies and gentlemen. For there's none perfect. He says, you have said, well, there's only one who is perfect. Yeah. Grace and truth. Where are we? How do we present the message, the gospel of Christ, you know, without, uh, without, uh, without that balance? You know, can we create that balance? See, it's not about, it's not grace. When, when, you, when, you emphasize, when you emphasize grace, you are saying that Christ's death is for naught. It's invalid, isn't it? Because all I have to be is what? Oh, you are okay. That's, that's good. It's, you know, it's all right. You know, is it all right? Is it all right? For abortion to be happening. Is it right? Absolutely not. We can condemn the sin. Because Jesus did that. Jesus condemned the sin. Yet he so much loved who? The sinners. He loved them. He sat down and talked with them. He sat down and taught them. In other words, he pointed them to the truth. He pointed the truth. He pointed grace out to them. So that they can see, you know, so they can see what grace is. Uh, why can't we, why can't we stand up for what is right while at the same time do it in love? Can we teach the message, the truth in love? Can we? 
I think we can. We can teach truth in love. When we do that, when we do that, when we take time to know, to show people that no matter what, we love them, but we don't love the sin. We need to share the message of grace and truth. We do. You and I, ladies and gentlemen, when people look at us, they should be able to see who Christ is. They should be able to know who Christ is by the way we present ourselves. Am I saying that, am I saying that it's okay to abort babies? Absolutely not. But can we present that message of abortion by presenting those people different alternatives? That, hey, hey, look, I, I'm so sorry that this happened. But we have an alternative for you. We have adoption agencies. See, we guide them, we point them to what? To the truth that this is a baby and you can have the baby adopted. It doesn't have to die, does it? See, that is the message of grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Uh, it is not that difficult to demonstrate, ladies and gentlemen, either grace or truth. What takes the work of God in our lives is to be able to demonstrate both grace and truth. We need God's power to be able to do that. We do. You and I, in our own, in our own strength, we cannot do that. We are either going to show more truth or more grace. But with God's power, you and I. Because see, we are called, he says that, you know, if you believe in me, you'll be saved. Not only that, he says you do greater things than I. See, we are co-heirs with Christ. We are brothers and sisters to cry with Christ. If he was able to present that message, and he was able to present the message with grace and truth because of whom he was anchored in. Jesus says that, he says that, I, he declares, I'm the vine and you are what? The branches. If you are plagued in me, if I had, ladies and gentlemen, to the conclusion of the fan story, if I had connected those wires properly, the lights would have what? Worked. If I was connected in the right connection, that would have worked. As soon as I did that, the lights worked. As soon as we connect properly with Christ, we can present the message of grace and truth. As we go, I want you to be able to walk and be able to present the message of grace and truth, the message of God with grace. And uh, uh, again, you know, truth-oriented Christians love studying scripture and theology, but sometimes they are quick to judge. Grace-oriented Christians love forgiveness and freedom, but sometimes they neglect Bible study. See? There has to be a balance. We have to do both. 
you know, remember the message of grace and truth is why you and I are here, because of God's grace, because of the cross, we are here. May you be blessed as you go through this week. Thank you. Doc, you got a closing song or? Okay. Okay. Let's sing this song. Let's sing this song.